Well, let's get started. I have uh, some things that I'd like to share with you as a congregation. So please, would you uh, open up your hearts? And if you want to write notes, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. But open up your hearts, please. I believe this. We're going to share some important things. Father, as we look to your word today, and as we discuss the things that you have asked me to speak upon, I thank you, Father, for the openness of the hearts of the people, for those that are watching to be open and hungry, for those that are present to be open and interested in what the Spirit of God has to say. Father, I'm not, I could have continued in the series, part eight from last Sunday, but you said pause that, finish it after Randy leaves. I want you to do a standalone message today. It is important that you say these words. So Lord, you gave me 10 things to share with the people, 10 different points. And so Father, I'm going to share those uh, with them from uh, a place of joy and a place of peace. And I thank you, Lord, that the people are receiving at home and presently they receive. I say they're hungry and interested and they respond in Jesus' name and they will open up their hearts. And I thank you, Father, for it in Jesus precious name we pray and everybody said amen, amen. Um, <clears throat> praise the Lord where did I uh... let me just read you uh, for a second the last PS part if I can even find that because I think I erased that there it is uh, the last PS of the last email that I sent the congregation and I said, my little six-year-old Luke just walked in the room as I was writing this and showed me a wristband that he got at church last night. This was on Thursday, for referring to Wednesday night. And it is embossed with the statement, I often say nothing but victory. My spirit jumped when I read it on his little wrist. It was a timely reminder for me that with the Holy Ghost and humble pure hearts, we can all get through this season experiencing nothing but victory. So I did what I'm good at and I stole it from him. You know, he said, Daddy, don't take it from me. I said, don't worry, I'll buy you another one. So I, I'm wearing my little nothing but victory. And this is not a, a, this is a promotion of the bookstore, but it's more than that. It's, uh, we got three different colors in beautiful blue and, and glorious red and bright and, and happy yellow. And uh, feel free to buy one if you'd like. And, and remind yourself that we're in a season, the world doesn't see anything but failure, but I'm in a season where I don't see anything but victory. And so I want to remind you of that because I believe it matters uh, the the way we talk and how we are, uh, what we're saying. Amen. Amen. Uh, as I said by the Spirit earlier, I didn't think that prophecy was going to come out like that, but uh, let me put it this way. The, out of, since COVID began in March 2020, 2020, 2020 right? <laughs> wow. We're almost at the end of 21, aren't we? In March 2020, when COVID began, it feels like March, you know, 2007 since COVID began. But it's really only just 18 months, isn't it? A little bit more than 18, well, I guess about 18 months. But uh, since March began, probably the last 10 days have been the hardest for me as a pastor in the last 18 months. And I don't say that for people to go, oh, or anything like that. I Appreciate that, but that's not really why I'm saying that. I'm saying that because, uh, and I don't believe it's coincidence because Randy's about to come. And, uh, and, and I understand that there is uh, uh, the vast majority of our, vast, vast, vast majority of our congregation, I don't think cares or has any issue with anything going on. But there's certain folks that have had very deep feelings about certain things, about the vaccine, about the new services that we're planning. And I respect that. I, I don't belittle uh, their concerns. Uh, and so, but the Lord said, I want you to talk a little bit about some things from the scriptures this morning and pause that. I really wanted to get that, that, hit, that, um, you know, that series that we've been doing on the plan done. I planned on doing number eight today, but he said pause because it's important that you, that you talk about this. However, I want you all to know that I'm coming at this from a very happy, positive perspective because I really believe that the, the vast 99.9% of whatever the problems were, we have resolved. So I'm not coming at this from a quelling perspective. Okay, I'm not talking like we're quelling, you know, hurt feelings or a rebellion or angry. I'm not. That's not my heart today, because we've resolved. And I've, I've been dealing with a lot of individual people this the last ten days privately. Staff have been calling a lot of individual people on my behalf, and I believe we've we've resolved what what these issues were. So I'm not coming at this like a like a punitive message. This is not a punitive message. Are you understanding me? If we hadn't resolved it, it would be an aggressive message from that perspective, because I would have to quell it. But I don't have to quell it because it doesn't really exist anymore. Thank God. <laughs> but the, I, so I said, well, Lord, if, if it's over, let's just move on. Like, why do we have to refer to certain things? The Lord said, I want you to address certain things from the word because uh, I don't want it happening again. And people have to hear something. Listen, you didn't ask me to be your friend. You asked me to be your pastor. Okay. And I watched Nelson Mandela. My brother-in-law was in prison with him for 19 years in Robben Island. 
And I watched him in that. Well, I was already moved to Canada at that point, but I watched him. I watched him in 1994 on the television live because I know I lived in Natal, South Africa. I lived in KwaZulu-Natal. I know what it's like. It's not just white against black. It's black against black. And the tribes hate each other and they kill each other. When they found informants coming, giving information to the apartheid government, they would, they would, they would necklace them, put a tie around them and light it on fire. And, and so, and, and, and there were people in the government that were encouraging this violent, ultra violent behavior. And they were begging and pleading, give us, give us weapons to rise up and attack the whites and attack the government. And because the government had the weapons and they didn't have weapons. And I watched Nelson Mandela sit there on that television screen with the great wisdom that he had. By the way, he was born again. He never really talked about it, but the, but pa- the pastor in Johannesburg uh, personally talked to him, Ray McCauley, uh, multiple times. And he was a born again believer, Nelson. He is in heaven today, 100%. He, he, just, he didn't use his platform to preach because God didn't call him to use his platform to preach. God used his platform to be a politician, but he was a born-again believer. And so, and he, and he, I watched him on that screen and he said an amazing statement I've never forgotten because there's a lot of uproar, a lot of upheaval. And the people were asking him to arm them so they could fight against the, against the apartheid people. And, and it would have probably been justified from some measure for him to do that, but he knew it wouldn't bear good fruit. Yeah. He knew it would destroy the country in a civil war. And he said an amazing statement. And he said, he said, you elected me as your leader. And he said, and I am your leader. And sometimes a leader has to tell you things that you don't like. I'm paraphrasing. He said, sometimes a leader has to tell you stuff that you don't, that you don't agree with. But he said, you didn't elect me to make you happy. You didn't elect me to make me your friend. You elected me to be your leader. And I'm telling you, the right approach is peace. Put down your, your, uh, your weapons. Put down your arms and go home and be at peace. And then go to the voting station and vote them out. <laughs> Basically is what he said. And they did. And that God off that, I don't like to say God awful because God's not awful. But that, that evil regime that lasted from 1948 to 1994 crumbled and fell. Were for, for men to be equal, praise God. Yes. But he said, because they wanted to fight. Yes. And he was saying, you don't win on the streets with your axes and your guns. Mm-hmm. You win in the voting booth. Yeah. 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 And I'm trying to tell you that sometimes as a leader, as a pastor, you didn't elect me, God appointed me. Amen. But God appointed me and I don't always have to make everybody happy. I have to be your pastor and I have to tell you what's right and wrong, whether you like it or not. That's, I'm just being honest with you. Not everything feels good. Not everything is exactly what people want to hear, but a pastor has to tell you the truth. Are you with me? And so I'm trying to tell you the truth. Amen. We're putting down our, we don't have axes and clubs, right? And the asagai is the, is the spears that they use. We're not, we don't have those. But we do have attitudes, and I'm not just talking about this last week. I'm talking about in general. Yes. Yes. We all have attitudes. Sure we, we all have opinions. Yeah. It will destroy the work of God. Yes. And I said, but Lord, we're over this problem. This problem's over. The people that felt whatever, you've helped them, you've helped me, we've all compromised, we're all in love, we're all in agreement. So why do I have to say this? And the Lord said to me, son, it's not just about the attitudes of the last 10 days. He said, there's lots of attitudes in your church that I'm not pleased with. And he said, just because it's not, you don't know about them doesn't mean it doesn't exist. He said, I need you to teach as a pastor and not worry about what they think. Because I'm trying to help them get spiritual so that the plan of God is not hindered. Because other things might come. Other things probably will come. There's probably going to be other government interference in the future. There's probably going to be new laws in the future. And, and, and I don't think we've ever had to address this in 13 years because we've never experienced, we're in uncharted territory like Pastor Nancy said. We've never experienced this kind of abuse by our government. And it is abuse. Just as talk plain, it is. But, but, but you know, we've never experienced this, so we don't always know how to respond. And it's not, I'm not talking about the vaccine, I'm talking in general because we're just, I'm talking in general, because there are certain things that we have to understand from the scriptures about how we are to act in the local church, what its role is. Even Paul said, learn to behave correctly in the local church. He said there's a behavior that's appropriate and not appropriate in the local church because uh, it's not just a Qantas club where everybody has a vote. And it's not just an election where everybody has a vote because I'm not elected, I'm appointed. 
Do you understand? The, the president appoints certain people. The prime minister appoints. Yeah. Nobody elects. The prime, the prime minister decides. Yeah. And then other people are elected by the people. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, we elect politicians, but you don't elect your pastor. And, and denominations that elect pastors are unscriptural. There's not one where anywhere in the New Testament, anywhere where it said that you're supposed to elect somebody. God appoints with a call. And God appointed, the president of heaven appointed. And sometimes things have to be taught and said because we have to, and not about the last 10 days. Can I emphasize that for the ninth time? This is not about the last 10 days. I'm talking about the next years. Because this is over now, more or less in our congregation, but I can promise you we are going to face more. Some big and some small, but you've got to learn. There's some principles you have to learn as you, uh, as you navigate the minefield in the future. Okay? It's important that you understand these things so that we prevent uh, problems in the church. So I'm going to share some, some stuff about uh, just general good teaching, like I've just been talking about. Uh, you know, some of it may refer to the contention that we've now overcome. Others of it is going to refer to future things that we might face. Some of it is doctrine regarding the government. Because I think I actually need to tell you doctrine regarding the government. Because people don't seem to understand doctrine regarding the government today. So I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. And then I want to share some prophetic words. From Pastor Nancy to our church. From Pastor Cody, Chris Cody to our church. And from where's Chris Cody from? He's one of Kentucky. Kentucky. And from Brother Jerry Savell to the body of Christ. He's just released his word for 2022. And I can't play the whole thing, but I'm going to pray you the one phrase that God spoke to him. Because I believe it is very applicable for today's service. Praise God. So you're going to see Brother Jerry on the screen in a minute. But I want to just say one thing. So some of this is going to first sound like an announcement, but I'm just leading into my message. It's not really an announcement, but it is, but I'm leaving. In. And then some of the other is going to be a little bit of broccoli. Because if you're a good parent, you don't let them eat uh, the dessert first. You make them eat broccoli, and then you treat them with the cheesecake. So there'll be a little bit of broccoli in the middle, and then I'm going to give you cheesecake at the end so that you stay. Is that okay? Whether you like cheesecake or not, just think of what you do like. So one thing I just want to say, and you've probably already noticed that I have said it already this morning repeatedly, and to, to just help our congregation, because some folks feel sensitive about this. I personally don't, but I have to, I have to be as a pastor compassionate for those that feel sensitive about this. So we are no longer, or at least I'm not, I can't control what you do, but I'm no longer going to be talking about vax, non-vax. I'm not using the word vax again. I'm not using the word vaccine again, unless I absolutely have to, for clarity's sake. But I don't want to constantly be emphasizing divisive words. Yes. Now, personally, you know, it could just be semantics, but I just want to respect the fact that we are trying our best to stay in unity here. So we're not going to use those words anymore. And I appreciate um, somebody suggested that to me this week in a very respectful way. And I said, I appreciate that. And I will follow that, that instruction because I'm not too proud to take advice. I just have to know that the Holy Ghost is bearing witness with that advice. So I'm calling it a full service and a social distanced service. Okay, if I say SD, you know I'm talking about a social distanced service. Obviously, that anybody vaccinated can come to that, but those that aren't vaccinated, that's particularly for them. Social distance. Can we just use that term going forward? And then if I say a non-social distance service or a full service, they mean the same thing. You know that's everybody sitting close by, and obviously those are only for those that are vaccinated. Now, let me say this to you. If you're inviting a friend, you can't just say, come to the full, the full service. They don't know what that means. Oh, you're going to have a lot of people there? Great. But you have to explain to a friend, not to a congregation member, because they know, but to a friend, you'll have to explain. A full service means you have to have been vaccinated. It, but that's your job to explain it, not my job to explain it. Because I don't want to use those words anymore publicly as, as, as often as I can. I just want to refer to words that are a little bit easier to swallow. Is that okay with everybody? Okay, so that's kind of an announcement, but just moving forward. So full and social distance. Now, uh, also we're having, which I sent an email out, I think yesterday, whenever it was, but we're having a question and answer open forum after service this Wednesday night, November 10th. Okay, and this is no RSVP, no emailing, just show up and it will be in the vision room. And it's for anybody that wants to share thoughts. You know, if you have grievances, concerns, questions, you need clarity, you come and we talk about these services, about how we're doing this or about, you know, that awful V word, <laughs> or about anything else. If you, if you want to talk about that, if you want to ask questions, the only condition is one condition. Come humbly and come gently. Don't come to fight with me. If you come to fight with me, I won't engage you. Yes. 
I don't, infight, I don't fight with people. So I will engage you humbly and respectfully and gently myself, but you have to come humbly and gently and, and respectfully and talk to me. And I will be happy to answer if you need more insight into why Pastor Nancy and I have decided to go this route. I'll be happy to explain it to you because some things I don't explain publicly because I just don't have time. So, and that's open to anybody in the church regardless of status. You come to that vision room if you want Wednesday night after service this Wednesday, but I'm not, rep I'm not replying to emails anymore because I'm tired. You can't tell tone by emails. You can't tell people's hearts by emails. And so I don't want to do any more emailing or any more phone calling about this. There's going to be one meeting and one meeting. Oh, if you're working, cancel it. I don't, that's not my issue if you're working. You know, if you want to come Wednesday night, that's it. And then after that, I'm putting this outside. I'm putting this on the side. On the, it's in my rear view mirror. Because I'm moving forward because I can't wait to hear what Brother Randy's going to say on the weekend. And I don't want this hindering me or on my, on my head or anything like that. So Wednesday I'm giving one. And listen, Pastor Nancy never, would never do this. Never. Never. Because she don't care what you think. And I mean it. She just cares what God told her to do as a pastor. But I am not her, and it's not wrong for me to do what I feel in my heart. And she said, Pastor, do whatever you feel in your heart. And I felt the Lord say, go the extra mile for those that come with the right heart. If they have an honest-hearted question, answer them honest-heartedly, and it will bring peace. So I'm doing it my way. Like that song, doing it my way. But, but that's still by the Holy Ghost way. Amen? So just want you to know, that's, I've already done two points out of the ten. Isn't that great? We're already cruising along. <laughs> The first is we're not using that word anymore. The second is that we're having the open forum. The third is I want to put up on the screen something that Pastor Nancy said, which I did put in the email and I have said on Wednesday night, but I want to put it up anyway. She said, Pastor, my suggestion to you is make, do whatever you need to do that every person attend church every week while complying with government uh, regulations. She warned me by the spirit, do not cheat. If you have to social distance, make sure you social distance. And she said, because people are coming that may not be all that they, you think that they are. And they might be coming to spy, they might be coming to hurt, they might be coming to do different things, and yet you think they're a visitor. Because our doors are open and anybody, not while the service is going, you know, it's locked, but, but you know, anybody can come to a service. We're inviting people on the radio, come if you need a church. So there's not just individual congregation members that are inviting people. People are just emailing attendance at Promise of Life that we don't even know who they are sometimes, and they're coming. We don't know who they are or what they are or what their motives are. You'd hope that they were pure, but not everybody is pure. And so we have to protect this church and its finances because the government is watching churches right now like a hawk because we're the only indoor venue that does not require the vaccination. We, we're allowed to have other people. Movie theaters aren't. Other places aren't. But we are. They are watching churches and they are looking to hurt churches. Whether you believe it or not, that is the truth. It's, it's part of a strategy from hell to hurt churches. So we are trying to protect the church. And she said by the Spirit, don't play games with this. She said, obey the regulations at all costs. Don't open the door for the devil to have a million dollar uh, fine on, you, on your head and hurt your church finances. People didn't give tithes and offerings for you to give it to the government. They gave tithes and offerings for you to fulfill the vision. So protect the congregation and do what the government says. That's what she told me, and I'm going to listen to her. But what, within the government regulations, do whatever you can to have every person equal to every service, a service every week. Every person can come every week on an equal basis. So that's why we've done this. One Sunday it's 10, the next Sunday it's 1230, and then, you know, so we're hopscotching. So today is social distance. Next Sunday morning at 10 will be, we'll be full service. And then we'll just say everybody has the same equal opportunity. Praise God. And, of course, Wednesdays is all social distance unless the numbers grow where we're turning people away. If we get on Wednesday night enough interest that we're turning people away, then we're going to have to say one Wednesday social distance, the next Wednesday is full because I'm not going to turn people away because every person has a right to come if they're hungry enough. Just right now we don't have enough hunger on a Wednesday. Night, so it's fine to make every Wednesday social distance, okay? So you are with me on that. And I think we've already said all of that to you. Uh, some folks have said to me, well, why do we have to, why can't we just have three services on a Sunday morning? No, no, people have suggested that. No, because I don't like all this social, like some social, non, some non-social, and, and that's division, Pastor Craig. So just do three services on a Sunday morning at, at like at 10 and 12.30 and at 3 o'clock, and then it's all social distance, and then there's no division, and everybody can come. And I said, but you're not the one preaching! <laughs> and you're not my staff that are here, and you're not the worship team that are singing till they're hoarse. All right? I, I don't need to do three services because there's not division. 
If there's division, it's in your mind. It's not in God's mind and it's not in my mind. I'm not, there's no division here. I'm doing two because one, we're honoring those that need the social distancing and the other, we're saying as many we can fit in, fit in because I'm not doing three. I don't need to. I'll do three if we fill up the regular service, the, the full service. If we fill that up and there's no capacity left and then we've got a social distance and we're still turning people away, I will gladly do three. In fact, I'll do four, five, six, and seven. I will because I'm believing for souls. I'm believing to pack this place out with souls. And I'm telling you, God will give me the strength, Jenny. I will do seven services on a Sunday like young E. Cho did. He, did, you know, he didn't do one his end because he was too frail, but, but you know, he would at times do seven services on a Sunday. He'd preach seven. I mean, that, can you imagine what that, what that must be like? I'd happily do it if that God asked me if there's a hunger. But I'm not just doing it so that I'm going to get worn out when I can have people sit beside each other. That's, that's, can you understand that I have to make you this logical? Okay. So I'm just, I want to be fair. I want to be equitable. We're doing what God has led us to do. We're doing what Pastor Nancy has instructed us to do. And I'm submitted to her authority. And uh, praise God. Amen. Put up that calendar one more time so you can see it. We have social distanced and full today. And then next week it's the same. But instead of at 1230, we're doing 730 because Randy, Brother Randy didn't want to preach twice in a row. And then, of course, as you know, the evenings are all social distance, and, and Wednesday, to make it equitable, is going to be full. And then, uh, and then, of course, the 21st and the 28th, you see all the Wednesdays, you see next one, uh, same thing, December, next one, December, same thing, all the way down, except Christmas is now only on the 19th, and we're going to do social distance at 10, because that's the, that's the order of the schedule, and then full service at 1230, and they'll be singing twice, and we're not live streaming any 1230 service ever. So if you watch, we'll live stream 10 a.m., but we'll never, ever live streaming 1230 because we don't have enough uh, workers and it's tiring for those camera operators to be doing this that long. So, so, and then that will also motivate people to come at the 1230. So praise God. Now, let me, uh, let me go to, that was point three. Let me go to point four now about Pastor Nancy's instructions and my instructions regarding a very, very serious word. See, when Superman came to earth, which somebody invented because my little son thinks he's real. And I said, Luke, he's not real. Are you sure? I said, he's not real. It's like Santa Claus, you know? Well, he's real. I don't know who's in the room. He's real. But, you know, the Superman isn't real. I got to be very careful Christmas is coming. Don't ruin anything because some still believe in faith. I believe in faith. Praise God. He works for Jesus. And there's small angels called elves. That's what I tell them. And they're, they're miniature angels called elves and they make presents. You know, by the time they're older, then I have to come clean with them, right? There's also a tooth angel, not a tooth fairy, because fairies are demons. And anyway, we go through the whole thing. And in our house, we just, we just do according to scripture. And that's all I can say, brother. <laughs> Bless God. But when Superman came to earth, there was one word that he was afraid of and only one. It wasn't politicians and it wasn't Lex Luthor. It was one word called kryptonite. Kryptonite kills him. And, in the, and, and in, the, in the local church, there's one word that is a kryptonite to all of us, and it's called opinions. And it will cripple you. And I've sat with Pastor Nancy many times, and we've discussed certain things, and, and, and I have very different opinions to her sometime, but I have enough sense. Uh, she don't care about my opinion. This is not my work, it's her work. I'm here to submit to her. If she asks me, I'll tell her. But even if she asks me if my opinion is too grossly different to her, out of respect for her, I won't even tell her because I don't want her to have to think about it. And I, and I do have very different opinions on some different things, the way she runs her ministry, the way we do, but that's because individual leaders, we're not talking about doctrinal things. We're just talking about preferences. And preferences can be far and few between, like a wide range with people, right? So uh, I wanna just share, she said this, put this up as please. She said, don't hold your viewpoint, that's another word for opinion, regarding the vaccine higher than your need for your local church and your pastor. Because some people would, the devil would try to influence people to do that, to get so upset. But I could really not just put the word vaccine, I could put the word about anything. Don't let your viewpoint about the color of the carpet. You know, we had somebody leave because of the color of the carpet? Because there's snakes on it, apparently. I didn't know that. There's circles, but they thought it was snakes. You know, we had somebody leave because we served red grape juice instead of white. And then we had another person that was upset because we served white because of red, instead of red. And they left the church over that. Did you hear me? Yeah. That's putting a viewpoint regarding grape juice color higher than their need for the local church. I've had people leave because I'm not black. 
I really am, but you just can't see it. I really am. I tell people I'm a millennial egg. Do you know what a millennial egg is? It's an egg that's been around for a thousand years. No, it's not really a thousand years, but, but it's the Chinese do millennial eggs and I, and I really don't like them, but, but I am one. I'm white on the, in, and the yolk turns black. I'm white on the outside, I'm black on the inside, praise God. But I'm also a regular egg. I'm, I'm oriental on the inside, praise God. And I'm, I'm Native Indian too, and I, I'm Jewish as well. And I, I just want to put all the colors in the rainbow because the blood of Jesus has made us all one. And I love them all. I love them all. I love them all. I really do. You'll never meet, you'll, well, I won't say that. That's arrogant. But I feel like saying you'll never meet somebody that has more of an open concept about races and cultures as I do because I grew up in racist apartheid South Africa. And I bought my little friends to my, to my, our caravan. My mother was never like this, but my stepfather was. And he says, they're not allowed to eat with us. And I said, but daddy, they're my friends. They're not allowed to eat with us. And I would turn them away and I would cry as a little four or five year old. Why can't they eat with us? And it put a hatred for racism inside me that I can't express it to you. And so when I see, and I've met pastors that are racist, Oh, they'll tell you they're not, but they are. Because the way they talk privately, the way they make jokes, the way they, oh, believe me. Not in FOF, but in other groups, I've met them. I don't have tolerance for it, none. And I don't want you to have any tolerance for it either. But I also have realized that I have no tolerance for my opinion. Because it will separate me. It will. It will. I'm trying to, I'm t- I told you, I'm, I'm your Nelson Mandela today. I'm giving you information whether you like it or not. Now, God spoke to me on Friday morning, and he said these words, or Thursday morning, sir, and he said these words, put that up, please, and he said, uh, tell, I, I'm telling you, I heard, I heard a voice that seemed audible to me, but I don't know, uh, Jenny didn't hear it, so I guess it wasn't, but it seemed that way to me, tell your congregation they need their pastor more than their opinion. Yes. Now, that's the same thing Pastor Nancy just said. Don't hold your viewpoint or opinion higher than your need for the local church. But that's how he said it to me. Notice he says it to Pastor Nancy so, like, wonderfully, because she, and she says it so, like, it sounds so, but with me, it's just so basic, right, Christine? It's just like, it's just so simple, because he knows I'm just a, a simple guy. I'm not highfalutin like her. I'm just a simple guy. He just said it simply to me. Tell your congregation they need their pastor more than their opinion. So if he told me to tell you, I'm telling you that you need your pastor more than your opinion. And I'm not talking about the vaccine, although I am, but I'm not. That's done. I'm talking about things going forward. Remember I told you, I'm teaching you going forward. This thing is in my rearview mirror already. And the people that were feeling very strongly about it, we've come to a meeting of the minds. I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to tread water and do collateral damage here. I'm just trying to teach going forward. Because there may be opinions people have about Oasis. And there have been, because people have already told me, we don't need that. But what you didn't know and what I didn't know is that God was going to start a local church on that property. Am I allowed to say this, Gary? Gary and Kathy, if you'd stand up, they have been board uh, on our board of advisors for many years and they are the most precious couple in the world to me. And they have bought a home in Minden, nine minutes from our property. They've already sold their home in Orangeville and they are moving permanently up to Minden so that they can be around Oasis and help that local church. And I just want to thank them for their for the call of God on their lives and for their honor for the things of God. We have not said it. I've known it for a couple months, but we haven't said it publicly yet. But I just want you to know, like, uh, and, they, and they, before God even told me about the church, they, 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 God said, go up close. When they said, I said, go up close. Why would you need to go up close? It's, there's nothing there unless it's the summertime. And the reeds are coming next spring anyway. So why would you need to be up there? And I thought, well, they can't be in the will of God. So I'm praying, God, that I bind that. And, as, and as, I'm, as I'm binding it, I heard the Holy Ghost say, leave him alone. I said, leave him alone? He said, they're in my perfect will. I said, but I don't want them to go. I don't want them to go. And he said, there's a purpose. I said, there's no purpose. There's no purpose. There's just there's no purpose. I don't want it. I was really heartbroken, honestly. Because I love, I love them very much. I don't want them to leave. They're not leaving. They're watching and they're tithing and they're doing everything. But I need them. Gary has a certain strength of faith to me that I need him, I need him around me. I feel him when he's not here. I feel the lack of it when he's not here. And, but the Lord said the purpose will be revealed. And then I saw in the spirit a local church in that rec center. And he said, and they are going to help. So before I even knew it, they, they may have not known all that. Maybe they did. I don't know. But before I even knew the purpose of really what Oasis is about. 
It's just about a place of prayer and peace and play, but it's also a place to disciple people and get them born again. And you got to have somebody close by so that when, at least at the beginning, when they're watching, we're going to get a big screen TV in that rec center. And when they, and when they're inviting people to come, you can't, you got to have somebody there. They can't just, you can't just give the key to the neighbor. She's 94 years old. Her name's Ruth. Take her ninth, take her three hours to walk there. Then by the time she opens the door and walks back and then comes back, I mean, no, no, I'm just kidding. Ruth is the sweetest, most precious lady. She still swims in the lake, you know, at 94. And uh, she's a precious, and born again, born again, loves us. She's right beside us, loves us, is wonderful. But I'm just saying, you can't just, you gotta have somebody there. And I said, and then when he said, Lord, I said, Lord, how can we plan to church? It's how fast, this is how sharp I am. How do we plan to church? There's nobody there. And he said, that's why the springs are going. Oh, wow. Okay. Smart Craig. Praise God. I'll take a little bit longer, but I do eventually catch it. Praise God. But I'm just letting you know, a lot of, some people have said we shouldn't have a waste. We shouldn't spend money on that. But God had something bigger than just a property for you to go and, and get into nature. Some people have said to me, we don't need the glory center. This building's more than enough. Well, but if God said the glory center, then obviously this building isn't more than enough. And he did. Uh, <laughs> few people have said, I mean, for everyone that says something negative, there's about 50 that say something positive. So don't get me wrong. I don't try to make it sound negative. But some people have said, you don't need to do all these works internationally. That costs a lot of money. Yes, but God said to do the works internationally because believe me, I wouldn't do it if it was up to me. I'm not interested. No. And about the plane, I've had more than one say, you're just trying to imitate Brother Copeland. I have never wanted to fly a plane ever. I don't like the planes I get in. I watched Mayday, every episode of Mayday. And after watching every episode of Mayday and seeing how fragile they are to fall out of the sky, and then I had to stop watching because fear came. And then I had to stop watching Mayday. It's about aircraft and how they, they, people die, basically. <laughs> And they're always crashing and all the reasons why they crash and all the forensics why they crash. The Lord said, stop watching that, son. You're just built, because I'd, I'd get in that seat and all the images of Mayday would come back to me and I'd find myself, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Oh God, help us, Jesus, help us. So I stopped watching those. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like flying. I, I'm not afraid, but I don't like it. I certainly don't want to fly a little plane. If you don't want to fly a big plane, why would you want to fly a little plane? Have you ever been up in a little plane? I have. I wore depends. <laughs> I said, Randy, should we pray in tongues? He goes, no, we're fine. What did she go up? She did me because it freaked me out, that little plane and the bumps and the jolts and the birds. One bird can take that plane out, I'm telling you. <laughs> Stay away from me, birds. Move, move. I have no desire for aviation. I've never had it. When Dr. Dufresne had it, I'd look at Jenny, remember, and I'd say, why does he do this? Just catch, just do commercial. But I understood that he needed it for where he, what he was doing. And then when God said to us, I want you to do this, I said, oh my Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't have any ambition. I have no personal, there's not a hobby for me. Yeah. This is, this, it, took every, it took every bit to get, Randy had to convince me to get in last Friday. Yeah. I didn't want to get in. He had to push me, you, you're going to do this. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I said, you're going to do this. Yeah. Randy, make sure we're okay. I've got four children. <laughs> but you see, I don't have a natural drive for this. Yeah. But God said to me, you need it for the works that are coming. So your opinion might not be that much on the plane, but it doesn't matter your opinion or my opinion. It matters what God said. So for certain big, I could go on with the list, but I won't. But for certain big things, you know, we, we, we got a little things like service times, cafe. We, a lot of people were upset that we bought the cafe. They said we were, Jesus was going to turn the chairs over on us and bring the whip out because they didn't understand that buying and selling is not referring to that. A lot of people have had issues with, uh, the, the, like I said, the call of a carpet, the time we have prayer. We don't have enough evangelism. We have too much evangelism. We don't have enough ministry of helps. We have too much ministry. Why don't you invite this guest minister? You should invite that guest minister. That's all opinions. Do you understand? The vaccine is just one on a long list. And none of those will help. Uh, uh, hint, I lead and you follow. You say, well, I want to lead. Well, then go start your own church. Oh, right. You can't because you're not called. Well, I'll go and find a pastor that will lead the way I like to follow. Sure. Tell me how that works for you. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, God placed you in the body as it pleased him, not as it pleased your opinions. As it pleased him, not as it pleased your opinions. Hallelujah. 
so you need that office of the local church and of my office and the supply that it brings. And uh, remember, put this screen up. Pastor Nancy said, and Pastor Scott Webb would also say this years ago. Uh, he, she, he, she would say, and she has, I've heard her say this many times. If you're spiritual and if you're flowing with your pastor, you won't have opinions. In other words, of course we all do, but she means in other words, you may have them, but you'll choose not to give expression to them. Because opinionated people become offended people. And oh my God, however that is true. Hallelujah. So we get out of the mental arena and we let the Holy Ghost lead us into unity. Praise God. We have to let the Holy Ghost lead us into unity. And I've noticed with people that have opinions about the ministry and about times and about this and about that, whenever I see opinionated people, we can't have unity because their opinion, if I'm not doing it exactly like they want, they don't like it. And that opinion brings division. So people say there's division, but there's only division because you're opinionated. That's the only reason there's division. The only reason there's division in a church is because people are opinionated about things. And if they can't, if the pastor won't yield to their opinion, then they'll leave. And sometimes I will bend if I can, but if I, the Lord had said, don't bend, then I can't bend. And then if they leave, then God has to replace them. And then it takes time and it delays the vision and all these things happen. God will hold them accountable when they get to heaven for that. I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to help you understand this. Pastor Scott came to our church years ago and the entire sermon was about opinions. I should find that and play it to everybody because I haven't talked about it enough, Lorraine. It's my fault. If I had talked about it enough leading up to this crisis, I don't think we would have had the last 10 days that we've had, but I haven't emphasized it enough to guard your mouth and guard your mind and get out of the mental arena and go with what the Spirit of God is leading the pastor to do, whether you like it or not. Because it's not just a matter of, well, if I don't like it, I'll leave. Where did God plant you? Where did God set you? And it pleased him. It doesn't, he doesn't care about your opinion. He ple- it pleased him to put you in the vineyard. So yield to that. I told you it's not a shouting sermon today, but anyway. A minister was watching. (laughs) A minister was watching the goings on here. Who doesn't go to our church? And they called me. I've been observing what you've been saying on live stream. And he, what's going on? I told him a little bit, not everything. And he said something and I said, say that again. And I wrote down what he said. I'd like to tell you what he said for all of you but he doesn't want me to say his name. Maybe you should remind your congregation that those who complained against Moses thought they were complaining only against Moses, but God took it as a complaint against himself. When you withstand the leader that God has asked you to submit to, you are, you are withstanding God himself. And I said, I know that's in the Bible, brother, but where is that? And he took me over to Numbers. I just read it to you quickly so you know it's scriptural. Numbers chapter 21. This is when the, he sent the snakes. Remember when he sent the snakes? And then they put the, the snake on the pole, which represented Jesus. But you know where that, that problem originated from? Was because they complained. The people were opinionated about the food. I don't like this. I don't like those quails. I don't like this manna. I don't like, where, I don't like your hair, Moses. I don't like your beard, Aaron. I don't like this stuff. No, seriously. I don't like the way you've set the cat. I don't like the fabric of my tent. And I don't like my wife. I've got opinions on everything. People had a lot of opinions, Reverend Greg. I'm telling you, they had a lot of opinions. People laugh when we say that, but that's why God sent sent, sent snakes. So Dr. Dufresne would joke and say the gripers get the vipers. Now we laugh at that, but it's actually a very sober thing to think about. The people that complained, there there was danger that came to their life. And verse five, and this is what this minister quoted me, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul hates this light manna. My opinion is I don't like the supernatural bread. Bible called it angel food that, 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 that you've given me. But did you notice that they were talking to Moses when they said that? Moses was the one that brought them out, but did you notice it says that they spoke against God? They're talking to Moses, but against God. So when you, were, when you, when you push back, because of your opinions of what you loathe. Are you listening to me? Because I'm giving you answers and I'm taking it for me. I'm humble enough to take it for me because I don't want God. To, I don't want to get, I don't want to get separated from Pastor Nancy or those that God has connected with me. And I have to live this as much as you do, probably more than you do. All of us have to live this. We're all in the same boat. I can't let what I like or don't like, what I loathe or don't loathe affect me because if I talk against her, I talk against God. Because God planted me with her. And it's not just a matter of throwing her away and going, finding another one because there is no other one. That's who God sent me with. 
and I'm there for the long haul, but my opinions is kryptonite to me. You still with me? Yes. Trying to go as fast as I can. Hallelujah. Doctor would always equate this story here, Numbers 21, with communion. Why? Because this Numbers 21, they spoke, they complained, they got opinionated, then the snakes came, then they put up the snake on the pole. And, and then it says in what we just read for communion, 1 Corinthians 11, if you read that, it says that we know then for John 3 that Jesus was the snake on the pole because he said, as Moses of the servant, so I'll be lifted up. But then in 1 Corinthians 11, God says very clearly, if you, if you don't discern the body, not just Jesus, but the body of Christ, the people, if you don't discern the people and the leadership right, you're going to open a door for weakness, sickness, and early death. And Dr. Dufresne would always connect those Numbers 21 and, and 1 Corinthians 11 and say, if you speak against what God's doing yeah. in general, if you speak against what God's doing in your life with your leadership and you get opinionated and you decide that you loathe something yeah. and you start talking about it, God takes it personally, you'll open the door because you're not discerning the body of Christ, the people that God has connected you, the divine associations and weakness, sickness and premature death will come. He always connected the two. And he's preached that in our church many times. Watch what you say about the pastor. Watch what you say about other pastors. Watch what you say about other leaders that you might not agree with everything, but be careful what you speak. Watch what you say about your brothers and sisters. Watch what you say. Don't get so opinionated. Listen, our society thrives on opinions. I'm not on social media, Chantel, but I'm telling you what I, what I realize, I realize one of the reasons I'm not now is because I'm looking, you know, like, I'm not even on social media, but this Quora thing that I subscribe to that gives me a lot of history facts that I really like. Like, you know, I saw a snake eating a hyena yesterday. It was great. Uh, a python was swallowing a hyena whole. I mean, that's just priceless. A picture's a thousand words. I mean, come on. It's worth it just for that one picture. I didn't even know that snakes could eat hyenas, but apparently they do. So as I, but, but, but notice that on the, on the bottom, there, there's people that can comment on these articles that people have written. And I never read the comments, Jenny, but one time it was kind of a divisive thing that they were talking about. And so I just, as about abortion actually. And so I was starting to look down. I never do. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. You've got mean people on the internet. I'm talking cussing, swearing, writing cuss words, ripping the writer. And then the next person is ripping the previous person apart because they're for the writer. And I'm just scanning down. I said, no wonder I'm not on social media. I couldn't handle this kind of, uh, this is such carnality. And you know what it all comes back to, brothers and sisters? Opinions! I think this! I! And what social media is, is giving you a platform to air out what you think. And nobody cares what you think. And you shouldn't even care what you think. God is the only one that we care who he thinks. And we need to learn to keep our opinions to ourselves and keep our mouths shut and, and, and act in love toward people and not let things divide us. I'm serious. This is all our, the whole, this digital world is geared toward getting everybody to say what they think. There is a healthy side to that, but there's also a ditch to that. Because you get too comfortable telling everybody what you think. You'll tell God what you think. You'll tell God, I'm not doing that. I don't like that. And then you tell me how that works for you because it will never work for you. Do you understand? Then you'll tell your pastor, I don't like that. Are you with me? I can see some of you are. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to read you quickly. We'll have to delay the next service, Taylor. Uh, very quickly. I said in Jesus' name, very quickly. I want to read you Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Quickly now. Because Taylor's already emailing people. <laughs> Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 and 2. And I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation. And it says, Every person must submit to and support the authorities over them, for there could be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. Now watch verse 2. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, wow. yep. which results in severe consequences. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, I know you don't like this, but I'm doing it anyway because it's the Bible. Yeah. Now, in the Amplified, therefore, he resists, verse 2, and sets himself against the authorities, resists what God has appointed and arranged in divine order. And those who resist will bring down judgment upon themselves, uh, receiving the penalty that is due them. And lastly, the Good News translation says, verse 2, whoever opposes the existing authority opposes what God has ordered. Anyone that does it will bring judgment on themselves. 
Now, look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. I'll explain to you what that means, because it might not mean exactly what you think. 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter, go all the way to 1 Peter, quickly, chapter 2, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17, and I'm going to read this from the King James. Oh, let me go to the King James. 1 Peter, chapter 2. Oh, you're faster than me, Brother Greg. 1 Peter, chapter 2, what did I say, 17? 17. Watch this now. I love this. Just four simple statements. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. That means the believers. Fear God and honor the king. So simple. And the message says government and the amplified says emperor and the, and the passion says rulers. So let me read, let me say this very carefully and clearly to you. Okay. What I'm referring to is not about the vaccine. Okay. What I am referring to regarding these scriptures is about social distancing. They have not told you you have to get the vaccine. But they have told us we have to social distance if we don't have it. Can we just divide this properly? They haven't told you you have to. Nobody's making anybody. But they have told us if you don't, you have to social distance. So therefore, to disobey the social distance, I'm disobeying the government. And the Bible says be careful. And, the, and Pastor Nancy said, by the Spirit, don't do it. Because you're going to open a door to problems. So, uh, <clears throat> I want to ask you this. Have you ever heard this phrase? An unjust law is no law at all. St. Augustine said that many centuries ago. Martin Luther King quoted that in Birmingham, Alabama. It became a rallying cry for the civil rights movement. And rightfully so. An unjust law is no law at all. So, racism is unjust, so it's not legal, so just, just do civil disobedience. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, how do you determine if a law is just or not? Because if it's unjust, it's not really real. But who determines if it's unjust? You can't let an individual decide that, because everybody's opinion is different. But God's Word decides what is just and what is unjust. And the Bible clearly tells us in 1 Timothy 3.15, I'll just quote it, that the church is the pillar of truth. And the church has to speak forth. The, we are the pillar in society of truth. We have to speak forth truth. What is our truth? Is it my opinion? It's the word. Whatever the word says is what the truth that the church has to hold up as a pillar in society. Are you with me? So when the government said black people can't say, and they have same restaurants and ride in the same carriages, that is against God's word. Yes. So racism is against the word, so therefore it's wrong. Therefore, you have to stand against it. And therefore, civil disobedience would be right. And therefore, I'm not saying everything in the civil rights movement was done according to scripture. But the general core of going against that ungodly, unscriptural system, God was for it. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. But don't you dare ever call the civil rights movement equal to the homosexual movement. Yes. Never. Because in our society, our government tells us, and the media, and the, and the, so, the left-wing news, and the, and the superstars in Hollywood, they'll tell you that it's the same thing. And it's not, because their truth is not God's word. Their truth is what they've conjured. We go with the pillar of God's word. That is the truth, and the only truth, and nothing but the truth. And the truth makes us free. So with transgender and homosexuality and transvestite and all this kind of stuff with all the sexual stuff, we have to ask ourselves, does it violate the word? Not my opinion, not my neighbor's opinion, not the nice person I know who's gay. And I know a lot of people and they're actually very, very nice people. But does it violate the word? Yes, yes. And a resounding yes. And there's lots of scriptures in more than one New Testament book not just from the Old Testament. So if it violates the word, I can't support it. Do you understand? Then I have to stand up. So my question to all of you, whether, no matter what your status is, uh, which is important that you really understand this from, from what I'm trying to help you understand here, is does the vaccine violate the word? It does not. There's nothing in the Bible that says you, you, you can't do it. Okay, are you listening to me? In fact, Luke 10, 19 says, uh, you have the power of the power of the devil, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. And Mark 16, 15 says uh, that if you drink any deadly thing, that's ingestion. And if a snake, uh, you take up deadly serpents, which is a puncture, yes. just like an injection, no. it shall not hurt you. 
generally the word of God is not against the vaccine, but specifically for your individual life, you've got to know the leading. You don't have scripture. It's not against the word, so I can't stand against it. Are you with me? Because some people have wanted me to take a public stand against it. I can only stand against what scripture backs me on. I've asked Pastor Nancy, I've asked Pastor Jerry, I've asked Pastor Greb, I've asked all of them. There is no scripture. This does not violate the gospel. That government control is another story. But I'm just talking about whether you should get an immunization slash vaccination, whatever you want to call it, does not, it's not against the word. So I cannot publicly withstand it because it's not against the word. But in the generally, it does, the word doesn't, doesn't violate, but, spirit, but specifically, there's no scripture that talks about it. So you've got to go with your own. That's why I said from the beginning, follow your own spirit. Yeah. If the Holy Ghost doesn't lead you to, don't, don't, don't get into harassing stuff with other people and get into arguments and division. Just follow your spirit. If you don't feel right about it, then don't do it. Because the Holy Ghost will lead you for a number of reasons. I'm not going to get into all of them here. That's not the point of today's message. But he will lead you based on your measure of faith. He'll lead you based on what he knows about you individually and intangibles that you may not even know why. But if he's leading you, follow that. But you understand, because it's not according to Scripture, I can't go against it. Let me ask you another question. Is social distancing violate this Bible? I asked the Lord, does social distancing violate the Bible? And the Lord said, turn to Hebrews 10, 25. It says, uh, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves as is the habit of some. Can we still gather with social distancing? Yes. If they said you can't gather, they have violated the Bible, I will have civil, I will have civil disobedience. I'll meet anyway. But they have not said I can't gather. Do you understand? They've said that now there was a season where they said that you couldn't gather for, you know, that reason. And so I said, Lord, this does violate the scripture. And I said, so how do I handle this? And I called Pastor Nancy and she said, it only be for a season. She said, if you do it, they're going to ruin the finances of your church. If I were you, I'd back down. And so we did live stream. Thank God there was live stream. But I'm just saying we have to check the Holy Ghost, but it doesn't doesn't violate the scripture. Then I'm clear. We're still gathering. It's not convenient. My opinion is that the government restrictions are, are, are basically communistic and ridiculous. And I can't believe that Canada has gone this route. I met a, a person, whose parents were in Nazi Poland, and they immigrated to Canada because of what the Nazis did. And that couple told my wife and I, they said, you don't understand because you've never been around Nazi Europe. He said, but they said, what is happening in the Canadian government? It, is, it has every earmark of the Nazi regime. That's exactly what they did forced, coerced, made people lose jobs, said you can't leave the country. It's all happening right now, my brother and sister. Do you think I'm for that? Of course not. I'm not for the vaccine. I'm not against the vaccine. The only reason I have it is because the Holy Ghost said, I don't want you to let the government stop you your call. And you have to be able to travel and preach. But, but everybody follow your own conscience, follow your own spirit. What I'm saying is I'm not for government, what they're doing. I'm 100% opposed to it. But, I, but I'm not opposed to social distancing because I don't have scripture to back me up. I'm not opposed to the vaccine because I don't have scripture to back me up. But individually, you got to be led. Are you with me? I'm trying to bring basic doctrine here. We've got to honor the king. We've got to submit to the government. That's why we have the best accountant on the planet, Mr. Rutledge, because he, he, he honors the government. In fact, some things I say, come on, seriously, like just bend, bend. And he says, no, pastor, I'm protecting you. You can't do this. I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I've lost personally. Because of him. But I'm not in prison. And if somebody were to come and check, I'm not bringing a reproach in the name of Jesus because I pay tax on everything. Even so, I don't even know if I'm supposed to, I still pay tax on because I have to be, I have to protect the name of Jesus. I have to protect the charity. Do you understand? We have to follow rules. That's why we have a society that is good in most ways that we have. I told you it wasn't a normal sermon. But I'm just trying to help you understand that I'm not for the government. But I have to obey them as long as it doesn't violate the word. And then I still have to check my inner witness based on my specific leading. If they say, we suggest you do this strongly, like they're doing with society, I check, Lord, what do you think? Because they're not, you know, I don't have a scripture against it. So what do you think? And then he talks to me privately. But they're not saying we suggest you social distance. They're saying you will or we'll put your million dollar fine on you. And by the way, it's without appeal. We can't even appeal it. It's done. And they're watching. We just had a death and there were cops. All oh, beautiful. I love the police, man. 
But they were all here with their uniforms showing honor to Marjorie. But they're watching. The cops are walking, walk, driving by. They're watching. We're on the radar, my brothers and sisters. We're opening it up to strangers, my brothers and sisters. We have to obey the law. I have to honor the king. I think you can all agree with me on that. Can, can you understand? The government tells you to do something that's not according to the word. You have a right to say no. But if it's not according to the word, you have to ask the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, how are you leading me? And then follow that. And that's what we're trying to do. Not very hard. Pastor Cody said in June, he called me out publicly. He said, do not be concerned about the loss of momentum because it will be restored and be like it was before. And I thought, he missed it. And I went to the back and I said, you missed it, brother. You got me mixed up with Pastor Ike because he was sitting beside me. You got your wires crossed. I said, we got no loss of momentum. We're fine. And back in June, we were great. And God said to my wife this week, he said, pull up that word. He said, I gave that word for this week. Months in advance. Because we weren't around Pastor Cody. That's the only time we're around him. And God chose to use him as the mouthpiece. So he said, whatever momentum, whatever frustration, whatever issue, be back, it's going to go back to where it was before. Whatever people offended and left, when there has been some, there's some offended and left because we refused to make everybody wear masks while they sat. There's some that were offended and left because we made anybody, because we even announced about masks. They, they just, you can't please everybody. There's, everybody's just got their own opinions. That's why opinions will, will kill you. Just flow with the pastor. Now, as I close, because I do have to close because we have another group coming in, I just want to say this, that this I want to end on a, on a dessert note. Pastor Nancy said these words to me and it really blessed me. She said, don't look, Pastor. She talked to me on the phone last week. She said, don't look as, at these, as these at, just as requirements. Look at it as an opportunity to invite visitors and accommodate growth. Because yes. I'm so focused on restrictions and the negative and the requirement and the glass is half full. She said, Pastor, don't do that. She said, this is an opportunity for you to have two services and to be able to fill those services with new visitors and get people born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. She said, look at this as a growth opportunity, not as a restriction demand. So I'm encouraging you. And of course, even in our social distance service, you can still invite friends and we'll accommodate that. Invite people. Tell people that are, that are looking for hope, that are looking for an answer, that are looking for a church that teaches faith. Yes. Are you with me? Let's make this an opportunity to grow and not focus on the negative, but focus on the positive. Yes. Are you with me in all that? Yes. Play Brother Jerry's clip as we close the service. I had till 1215 anyway, so just relax. Praise God. The Hebrew letter representing the number 20 means an open hand or giving freely or provision. The number 20 in the Hebrew. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I can't speak Hebrew, but I can read books, <laughs> okay? And I have plenty of them, and I study them all the time. And the number 20 in the Hebrew language means an open hand or giving freely, and an open hand represents provision. Okay. Now, I saw that while I was praying uh, about this. I saw that first, and then I began to study it. And I, I, I tried to find a, a photo of somebody who had done a portrait of the open hand of God. And uh, this is the closest thing I could find. So guys, would you show that? An open hand. And then when I began to study it, it was quite interesting. And I'm excited about it, praise God. Amen. So an open hand, meaning giving freely or provision. Then the number 22, as in 2022. In the Hebrew, symbolizes disorder and chaos. Disorder and chaos. Now here's what I heard the Lord say. In the midst of more and more chaos and disorder, I will open my hand and will freely give to those who refuse to be shaken by it. So the disorder and the chaos we're already experiencing in the world, in our own nation, it's not going to cease by the end of this year. Amen. It's going to continue right on into 2022. In fact, it's going to get very ugly. That's what I've seen in my spirit. But for those who will not allow it to shake them, they're going to experience the open hand of God, God. meaning Amen. provision, Amen. 
in the midst of chaos. That's what I'm saying. Provision in the midst of chaos. Say that with me. Provision in the midst of chaos. Does anybody think that might be some good news? Well, I think you got to give the Lord a shout in advance. Amen. Did, did my mic go off? I thought I asked you to give a shout in advance. Oh, okay. Okay. There it is. All right. Now listen, I got lots of notes here. You ready? Got to unload it on you because Mary Jean asked me to. (laughs) All right. Now listen to this. Several Hebrew scholars also said that the number 20 signifies expectancy. Expectancy. So we can derive from this. Expect the hand of God to manifest in your behalf, even in the midst of disorder and chaos. Amen. Now, expectancy is very closely associated to faith. You, you can't have real Bible faith and not expect something from God. You know, I hear people say, well, we're just believing God. But if you really get to talking with them for a few moments, they don't express any expectancy. Uh, some people say, well, you know, you never know what God's going to do. Well, if you read the Bible, you do. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, you will know what God's going to do. And when you hear it, that should create expectancy. Amen. So put that up there, please. In the midst of more and more chaos, this is what he said. In the midst of more and more chaos and disorder, I will open my hand and will freely give to those who refuse to be shaken by it. Did you notice the condition? There's a condition. What's the condition? Don't be shaken by it. What does being shaken by it mean? Don't be afraid. I could add, don't be opinionated. Don't be, don't, don't be moved. Don't be upset. Don't be angry. Don't be, don't be afraid. Shaken is being afraid. How are you not going to be shaken by something? Don't focus on it. Don't look at it. Don't meditate on it. Don't talk to your friends about it. Don't watch newscasts after newscasts and get yourself riled up. Don't watch the conspiracy theory real, like the marathon conspiracy theories, binging conspiracy theories, because you're going to be shaken by it. Guard your mind and guard your eyes and guard your heart and guard your mouth. Because I want more and more of his open hand in this chaotic season that we're in, but I can't be shaken by it. Are you with me? You all said provision in the midst of chaos. Provision in the midst of chaos. I'm going to have it, Jenny. The church is going to have it. I feel, I feel helped by God today in this service. Now, have a look very quickly at the scripture that God gave me. He said, this is your pandemic scripture. I probably should be talking about it more, and I repent to you that I haven't. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green and shall, shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease yielding fruit. The word see, it says here shall not see. In the Hebrew, it means to consider. It literally means to think. It means to give attention to or regard. That means you're looking, you're thinking, you're considering, you're giving attention to, you're meditating on. The heat, the problem, the attack. Don't look at the attack. And watch it now, and will not be careful. That word careful in the Hebrew means anxious or afraid. Don't be anxious or afraid in the year of drought. We're in a year of drought. We're in chaos and disorder. And it's going to probably go into 2022, according to the prophet. But in the midst of all of this stuff, in the midst of drought, where others are withering, If I refuse to think, meditate, regard, consider this stuff. I refuse to be shaken by it. I refuse to meditate on it and be opinionated about it. And I just stay with God and refuse to be anxious in this season. He says, my leaf's going to be green. He said, I'm not going to stop yielding fruit. And according to the word that Jerry gave, he said, I'm going to freely give with an open hand. Hallelujah. I'm just reminding you all, don't, don't, listen. Pay attention. The more you listen, watch what you listen to. Watch what you hear. Because there's so many voices. I limit my voices. That's why I stay in faith. I limit my voices to God's word, to God's spirit, to my spiritual parents. I don't listen to a lot of things. Because I do it on purpose because it will get in me. 
try, I'm trying to help you. If you listen, it'll help you. If you don't, you do whatever you want. Last thing, we're going to make this confession together and we're going to close. I want you to read this with me, please, together. If you, don't have, if you can't see it, then put eyeglasses on or walk closer to the screen because I want you all to say it with me, okay? One, two, three. Lord, I commit to you that I'll stay planted where you've planted and set me in the body as it pleased you, not as it pleases me or my opinions. And because I'm planted in the house of the Lord, I will flourish. And because I don't think about, consider, regard, or give attention to, and therefore am not anxious about the heat and attacks in the year of drought, my life shall be green, and I shall not cease yielding fruit. Yes, Lord, I believe the word of the prophet, and I shall prosper. Therefore, I confess that I am not shaken by the chaos and disorder in the world, but instead I have expectancy for your open hand of supply. Therefore, I praise you that you freely give me all things to enjoy which includes both my needs and desires. Hallelujah. I need you to take a picture of that and whenever you're starting to, whether you feel good or bad, say it every day, at least for a week, if not a month. Because the word that he said, he said, I will open my hand and will freely give to those who are not shaken. So I put open hand in quotations because that's part of the prophecy of Jerry. And he said, I will freely give. So I put that in quotations because that's part of the prophecy of Jerry. But that's really quoting First, that's First Timothy 6, 17. He said, I will freely give you all things, not just that you need, but to enjoy. You need a pair of shoes, but you'd enjoy nine pairs, ladies. You need a purse, but you'd enjoy something nicer, six purses. You need a car, but you'd enjoy something that's not a beater. Right? You need a house, but you'd enjoy something that had more bedrooms so that you could let your kids each have their own. He wants to give us not just what we need, but what we desire. What did, what did, what did, what did Mark eleven twenty four says? He didn't say, whatsoever things you need when you pray. He says, whatsoever things you desire, desires greater than need. I desire an extra suit, Lord. I don't need it, but I desire it. He said, whatsoever things you desire. He said, I'll free you, give you all things to enjoy. But did you notice you can't be shaken? Can't be opinionated, can't be offended. You got to stay planted. And I, and I quoted you that scripture because it's found, if you're writing notes, in Psalm 92, verse 13 to 15. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. I'm going to stay where God's wanted me to be. And I don't care what the world does. And I don't care what the markets do. I don't give a rip. I'm going to flourish. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be worried and opinionated. I'm going to just get in that flow of, of, of God's grace and power. And I'm going to soar like a bird right through this thing. I've been soaring for 18 months. I'm going to continue. Amen. Hallelujah.